What's up, guys? It's Ace Coleman We're here with the Champion Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Rod Yarmark on. He's from Detroit, Michigan. And Rob, tell us about your day, man. I've been busy this morning. So I have a, a two-week-old boy, and uh, we got a two-year-old girl. So house is uh, busy, um, but it's been good. So just, uh, yeah, just been juggling. One's taking a nap, one's eating, and all that so yeah just uh we have a new addition to the family so we're just getting into a rhythm and trying to get all that stuff uh sorted out these last couple weeks so but it's been good awesome so you shoot in the asa do you shoot um you shoot unknown right Mm -hmm. and this has been your first year in uh the pro class yeah yeah last year um jumped right into it so i've uh kind of accelerated my path um about I want to say about three years ago I I made up my mind like I want to shoot professionally I want to go I want to go compete against the best in the world uh best that we have and um you know I love 3D I came from a bow hunting background and stuff you know so you know seeing foam animals and everything on practice ranges and stuff has always been fun and so um I really gravitated towards the 3D side of things so um yeah, man, three, I think, yeah, three years ago now, I, I started ASAs shooting known 40, known 45, kind of dabbling into that a little bit. And, um, you know, and then uh, I just kind of on a whim said, I'm going to try to do this unknown thing. And so I jumped right into semi-pro uh, three years ago. So um, I'd never judged a target up until then um, and just said, you know what, I'm going to jump into the 50 yard stake. I'm going to learn. I'm going to just, I'm going to go for it. And I think some of that came from like, I have a wrestling background. I competed in wrestling my entire life. Um, you know, and the, the mentality of, of just go after the the best person in the room the, you know, go get after the best competition that you possibly can. And you're either going to sink or swim, or you're at least going to learn and get better. And so I took that, um, you know, that mentality that I kind of grown up with and, and, throughout my competitive years and applied that to archery. And so I was like, all right, let's just go to the farthest stake that we can. And, and almost the, I don't want to say the toughest game, right. We could argue back and forth known and unknown and difficulty, but um, yeah, man, just jumped right into semi-pro and I struggled, you know, um, I missed my like third or fourth target in Foley. It was like mm. a mid forties coyote. Um, mm. Oh man, coyote, man. Yeah. Completely underdutched it. Yeah, completely <laughs> it and everything, and, and I was like, "All right, I'm, I was doing okay," and uh, yeah, missed it, and I was like, "All right, we're here now," you know. I, I got that out of the way and stuff, but I shot a few unknown uh, semi-pro tournaments uh, that first year, and I was like, "All right, this is enjoyable," you know. It's fun. I mean, you go, you know. I think hitting a twelve, you know, is the coolest thing, and you know, I don't care what distance it is. You go smash a twelve is awesome, but you go smash a 12 with a really good number, you know, that feels really, really good. So, so yeah, I did, uh, jumped into semi-pro did that for a year, came back for more of that, that second year and, uh, podiumed in, in Fort Benning. Uh, I basically had a weekend that completely changed my life as far as archery goes. Um, uh, sadly, or, or maybe embarrassingly, like I had never shot an up in a, in a round before. And then I showed up to Fort Benning um, after I don't think I did well in Foley that year, um, showed up to Fort Benning. I shot one up on Friday. This is when we had the option, uh, you know, uh, you had your Friday option. I shot one up. I'm like, all right, cool. I shot an up round, you know, and, and did it and, uh, came back for more Saturday morning. I ended up shooting 18 up on uh, Saturday, uh, hit 10 out of 20. I, I, I like got to taken over or something, you know, I, uh, I, I was on cruise control whatever number I picked, wherever the shot broke, uh, it landed first, first target, boom, guys, you know, guys in your group are behind the binoculars. Oh yeah. Great shot. 12. I'm like, all right, cool. Next target, 12, next target, 12. I'm like six up and four targets. I'm like, all right, cool, man. And, uh, <laughs> never let off the gas. I, yeah. I shot like one eight that day. I missed the shortest target. I think I had, we had a, we had a medium deer at like 26 yards and I was, I was almost too scared to aim at it because the shorter targets I seem to underjudge still, I think they're still a little closer than they actually are. So yeah. So I, I shot a safe 10. It was okay. Um, but, uh, so I missed the shortest one, but then, yeah, man, just never let off the gas and shot 18 up that day podium still took second, like shot the highest round in semi-pro that entire year and, uh, still didn't 
still didn't win it. Uh, Chase, yeah, Chase earned and he shot, he beat yeah. me by one point. One point. One point. The very first target oh, that weekend, I shot a five on a, on a leopard. If I would have just shot an eight, I win it by two points, you know, just, just keep it in the eight ring. Uh, but I shot a five very first target. And so, you know, you can look back on it and kick yourself a little bit, but yeah. And then uh, the rest of that year, semi-pro I, I, um, you know, did okay. You know, again, there's a level in semi-pro versus, versus open pro um, as far as scores and things that are almost acceptable. You know, you're really, I was really trying to shoot even or shoot up in a tournament, you know, in semi-pro and that usually would put me in the top 20 and higher and get up there depending on the course that we were shooting. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of where my standard was, or, you know, Hey, just try to shoot up this weekend and we'll go from there. And so I'd shoot down on a Friday, shoot up on Saturday and land right around even or so and, and do okay. And, uh, finished, you know, top, top 20 for shooter of the year. And, um, which I was pretty happy with. And then, but at the end of the, that year, um, again, shooting 18 up and, and stuff, shooting on the same courses that the open pro guys were shooting on. It's like, I told myself, like, I'm capable. I can, I can, I can yeah. shoot. I can, I can do this. I know it's going to take some work, but like, what's the point in staying in semi-pro? Um, you know, I got to shoot with a lot of guys that year that were in their fifth, sixth, seventh year of semi-pro and um, waiting to win out. And there's part of me, I understand. Um, again, it's a large financial commitment and time commitment and stuff to go shoot professionally, but I didn't want to do that. Um, you know, I, I didn't want my next best day to come as an amateur. If I'm going to go shoot 18 up, like, let's go make it for the big money and, and go shoot on, you know, on Sportsman's channel. Like, let's go yeah. to a shoot. Right. And, um, so I made that decision. I talked to my wife and, and my family and stuff, the people that are around me that are supporting me and, and, uh, kind of made that decision. Like I'm, I'm going to shoot open pro. And, um, luckily enough, uh, you know, Derek at Matthews, um, was able to, um, you know, provide me with, a my first professional contract. And, you know, I got a bunch of great sponsors and stuff, uh, all last year that, that kind of helped catapult me into that, um, made it uh, a little bit easier financially and stuff. And, but uh, that first year of pro, man, I uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I've been hashing it out, you know, now that season's been done for a month or two and you get a lot of time in the tree stand to think and and stuff this fall. So I've been thinking, you know, going into next year because I'm already starting to gear up and and start get things clicking for indoor. I just got the new title, uh, get it, got it all set up and everything. So starting to get back into competitive mode and trying to think about you know, what, uh, what did I struggle with last year and what can we start working on, uh, for next year? But I, uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself, like, Hey, you're a professional now you got to go shoot, you know, lights out every weekend and, and practice all the time. And again, I just started a family. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have a range at my house. Um, so to get away and, and first of all, juggle a nine to five, juggle being a husband, juggle being a father, all that stuff. Um, you know, doesn't leave a whole lot of time to go judge targets and shoot and, but just do the best that we can. So it was, uh, it was a experience. It was a struggle, uh, on the scorecards and stuff. Um, but man, it was, it was a cool experience and I'm, I love doing it. It's so, it's so cool to, uh, to shoot with the best guys that we have. And, um, I'm looking forward to giving another go here, um, you know, for a year or two. Dude. You answered like half the questions I had to ask you <laughs> sorry, in man. one go, man. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. So yeah. dude, um what what exactly did this season look like for you as far as each of the major ASAs and do do you shoot IBO? No, um IBO is closer to me. Uh, you know, with them <laughs> in Ohio, West Virginia, you know. Right. So it's crossed my mind, but I just I love the game of ASA. Like, I know they both have their different, um, you know, their different rules and, and um, you know, different strategies and things, um, you know, center 11 versus lower 12s or upper 12s and things. So, um, excuse me. But, um, yeah, um, I shot every single ASA. And then, um, and so that was a first for me as well, to shoot a full schedule. Um, and so I... Uh, really glad I did. You know, it was, it was mm -hmm. always, you know, once a month, you know, it was one tournament a month, obviously you did it too. So, you know, you got one, one weekend a month, you got to go try to gear up for and, and make a run at it. And so, and if you didn't have a good weekend, you got three more weeks to prepare and then go do it again and, and take you all the way through the summer. So 
so yeah, I shot all six ASAs. Um, not quite the season that I had hoped for. Um, again, I think I struggled with putting a lot of pressure on myself that I was competing against the best and I wanted to be up there. I had a good Friday in, in Fort Benning or maybe Louisiana where I was on the, on the leaderboard for most of the day. Um, I think it was hovering right around six up or so. And then showed up Saturday morning, first target 12 did. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's get this rolling again. Let's, let's see if we can manage this course and make the shoot off. And I think by the third or fourth target, uh, I shot a five on the links and then like the wheels came off and, uh, you know, just ended up finishing, I think like four down or something like that, five down. And, uh, yeah, so, but that seemed to be a lot of my, my season. I I've talked to a couple of buddies and, and, uh, I kind of summarize it as, uh, capable, just not consistent. You know, I was ca I'm capable of shooting with the best, um, just not consistent enough, you know, Dan Levi, Hammond, yeah. uh, you know, uh, all the hacker, all the best guys that we have, right. They're just always, always right there. Um, yeah. you know, not a lot of big mistakes, very good course management. Um, and so, um, that was probably the biggest thing is I just couldn't consistently put up solid scores, uh, to stay up and compete at that level right now, but just, uh, get back to the drawing board and keep working on it. So. Yeah. So what would you say are the biggest things you need to work on to improve your game for next season? Um, definitely judging yardage. I mean, I, I feel for the most part that I can shoot really, really well. I, I mean, I had, I had the phase four and I shot my TRX 36, both of them last year. I had both of those bows rocking, uh, good, really good setups, good forgiving setups. Um, but if you don't know how far it is, it doesn't matter how good you can shoot. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I, I still, you know, in Michigan, again, I look at them as look at it as excuses, you know, Michigan, Foley, Fort Benning, and probably into Louisiana, I've got snow on the ground, uh, to where it's not yeah, fun to be outside. And yeah. 20 degree weather, judging targets and shooting outside. Um, there's also snow on the ground. So, you know, do you want to go judge targets in the snow? Not really. Um, so, you know, you're sitting there doing your best to, to try to prepare for those tournaments and we're halfway through the season already, right? Three, three tournaments in out of six, you know, and I've got snow on the ground for, for most of them. So, um, yeah, so just judging yardage, I, I bought targets. Um, I have a, a buddy of mine that has a piece of land that I'm able to to set up targets and stuff and go shoot and get different looks. And then, um, you know, my buddy, Adam Collins, who's another open pro, he's got a full full range that they have open to the public. He's got probably the best range in Michigan um, called Ravens Acres. And that's about an hour from me. Uh, so myself and usually a couple of buddies we'd go meet over there once a week or so and go shoot up a, a good scoreable practice round and just kind of see what we had there so you know the the practice and the drive and the work or work and the the work uh you know the, the effort is there it's still i just i need to keep seeing targets and and um you know keep working on game plan and and just try to try to get it all to come together um because that that really is uh the biggest thing for me was, was yardage judging and then game plan, you know, cause I've been hot on some targets and cold on some targets. Well, if you're consistently hot, right. You just aim at the lower and let that arrow rise and, and keep it in sure. the 10 ring. You know, if you're consistently cold, let's play the upper game. Um, but man, that was a struggle as I, I couldn't find consistency in my tendencies, you know, some targets I was hot mm -hmm. on, some I was cold on. And so I've been trying to take notes and, and get a notebook together and, and really work on, on uh, trying to find out what my tendencies are for each target and, and stuff there. So, yeah, but, but yeah, so I'm working on a couple of things to, uh, to try and improve, uh, but honestly, I think it's just time. It's just time and targets. Uh, can we see as many targets as possible? So that's what, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to do. So if you are an okay shooter and you can judge targets extremely well, do you think you would have possibly done better last season? It depends on on what you want to define as success, right? I think an okay shooter and a really good yardage judger could keep it in the ten ring, you know. Sure. But keeping it in the ten ring isn't going to make shootoffs, isn't yeah. going to get isn't going to get podiums. And like I'm not there to, um, you know, be away from my family, spend you know thousand bucks for the weekend, 
to not try to make a shoot off and, and go win, you know, right. and that's just that, uh, again, wrestling mentality, like I'm out there to try and try and win and, and do everything I can to do it. Um, you know, I'm just at this point, maybe lacking some skill set to, to make that happen. But, um, you know, if you were happy with 20th, you know, by shooting six <laughs> for the entire weekend, sure, man. And at this point, hell, I would have taken that, you know, at this point, you know, looking back at it, um, you know, but that's not what I'm there for. You know, I want, you want both. You want both yeah. to be up there. Yeah. 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 I want, you know, and again, I, I, um, I feel like I shot the bow really, really well. Um, you know, obviously there's some days we all, we all don't shoot great, you know, and, and stuff. And so I remember specifically sometimes that I, I struggle with my shot. Um, cause I was, I've been command shooting the last few years too. Um, and so I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, um, not to transition or anything, but I've been command shooting for probably two years now. I've never shot better scores. I started doing it indoors and, yeah. um, I'd always be with a hinge or with a, with a button, with a, a surprise shot. I'd be, you know, two ninety nines, 300, maybe, you know, but my X count was low twenties and stuff like that. And, um, I kind of just, you know, listening to Kyle in a, in a podcast, I don't know who he was on with, but he's like, if it's in the middle, like, let's get it gone. Like, let's go. Yeah. And yeah. so I started playing around with that a little bit and, I think it was early two years ago, early, like back-to-back 300 games, mid, mid 20 X count on the Vegas face. And I'm like, I haven't dropped a 10 and in, in 60 arrows. Like, this is great. You know, this is awesome. And so my confidence level went up and all this stuff. And, and uh, so I really started riding that wave uh, with that shooting style. And um, I do think it cost me under pressure. Cause again, I, I think um, if you can't get your bow to stay in the middle with your nerves and, and things going, command shooting is not the best gig, right? Cause if that arrow or that pin or, you know, dots not in the middle, you don't want it to fire and you're just kind of hoping or, you know, mm. you're trying to force it back to the middle and mm. you can sit there and kind of fight yourself and fight the bow. And um, so again, if you got to find a setup that that is, is forgiving in that nature as well. And so, yeah, under pressure, um, I, I remember sometimes um, specifically locally in our like local smackdowns and stuff like that, um, that command shooting, uh, bit me in the butt, but, um, you know, but other than that too, you know, I found that again, more often than not, it was, it was a better, better shot process for me and I got real, real comfortable with it. So, um, so yeah, I think if I, uh, I'm going to keep working on that. I, I work with Chris Hacker quite a bit, him and I become great friends and, um, and so he's helped, uh, with some coaching and some mentoring and stuff like that. And, he basically threatened to take all of uh, all of my thumb buttons away. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's so, very anti punch. Yeah, he is. Everything about yeah. what he does is anti punch. Yeah, and so man, him and I have been on practice ranges together, and you know he'll sit there and watch my thumb, just you know, give it a couple, couple. Oh back. no! You know, I'll, I'll rev up a few times, and and uh, he'll shake his head, and I'm like, well, where did it, where did it land? Where did it land? And I was it's a twelve or you know something like that, but. Um, so yeah, he'll give me crap, but he, he's been encouraging me and I've been actually starting to get my, um, my title set up with a hinge and, and start to work with a hinge. So I'm going to, um, I just got everything set up, got a new scope and sight and stuff in. And so I'll be getting indoor practice, uh, you know, coming up here soon, probably start this week actually. And then, uh, cause I start local, some local smackdowns and stuff. We got some great indoor shooters in Michigan. So man, I wish really, I really lived in Michigan for that one reason. Michigan has, I mean, you've got yourself, you have, you know, Levi Reitzma, you got Jacob Miller. I'm sure there's some other guys that I'm leaving Jamie, out. Jamie Drulliard, Justin Fuller, Cara. I mean, yeah. we've got, we've got a stacked lineup of, of really good 3D and, and just archers in general. Um, yes. And so, yeah, but our like, I'll host at my club about 20 minutes away. Um, I'll host uh, indoor smackdowns. So basically we get, we all shoot a 300 round and then uh, we'll do eliminations from yeah. there uh, and start winning the way down. And, um, not quite head to head, but you are, you're basically, you know, shooting, everybody's shooting a 300 round. We'll pay out for high score and then um, everybody's in and we'll shoot one end and the lowest three scores of that one end are eliminated. And then we'll shoot another end 
the lowest three scores of that end are eliminated. And then yeah. we'll get down to a top five and then we'll only eliminate one. And so you're eliminating one and you get to a point that, you know, we count center, uh, you know, X's as an 11, you know, you'll shoot a 32 and you might get bounced. Yes. Um, you know, so it, it uh, it's been a major improvement just to get yourself in those nervous situations. Cause again, you know, guys are going to hit and you can't miss. Um, it's been majorly beneficial for myself personally to, to shoot those, um, shooting those situations. Cause I actually have always hated indoor. I, I just, I'd much rather be outside shooting distance and shooting 3d targets. And I've actually grown to really, really like, cause I understand the benefits of it to, to understand and, and really like shooting, uh, the Vegas face uh, five spot. I still never shoot it uh, like indoor nationals. Type stuff. Yeah. You got to pay me to do that or something, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just, and I probably have like undiagnosed ADD, like to keep my attention span and stay focused for 60 arrows when you're not trying to hit a small X, you know, over and over and over again. Like, I just want to go to sleep. So I much rather shoot uh, the Vegas face and, and uh, see what I can do with that. So yeah, we'll start shooting those tournaments here in a couple of weeks. So I got to start getting my stuff together and, and getting after it. But yeah, you've been out, um, hunting some public land. So tell us about, uh, your hunting season so far. Frustrating (laughs) in general. I think if you don't have the time to scout, you know, almost year round, um, cause I, I know a lot of guys that have success on public land, specifically even here in Michigan. Um, but they don't shoot target archery. They don't, you know, they hunt and, um, you know, they're scouting in, in the spring, they're scouting in the summer, you know, finding, finding sheds and, and beds and everything in the winter. I mean, they don't stop. So, um, they do tons and tons of scouting. And I think that's the key to public land hunting and being successful. You got to scout probably more than you hunt. And I don't have that kind of time. I got a nine to five job, mm-hmm. husband, father, you know, uh, friend, you know, all that stuff. I got other stuff to do. So it's been, uh, I've been finding a good sign but I also hunt public land that's extremely pressured. I mean, I pulled out yesterday morning, there was eight trucks within a half mile along the road and in parking spots. Um, so, but, uh, so yeah, to compete with, with a ton of people is gets a little frustrating and stuff like that, but um, which just, it just changes the deer, man. I've gone and hunted Missouri public land and, and the deer acted completely different like down here. And, and I think at Michigan in general, they're just so pressured, um, that they just act differently. And so I ended up moving my camera yesterday, uh, like I'd mentioned to you and, and deeper into a really thick swamp and they're all, that's where they're all at now. They're, they're not in the oaks and, and feeding up in the hardwoods wow. and stuff like that. They're all piled down into a swamp, um, you know, in the deepest, thickest, nastiest stuff. So, um, just got to find out, you know, when they're, when they're coming out, and uh, are they are they coming out that's the question are they exactly yeah yeah which i don't know how much they got to eat right and we're we're starting to hit literally the peak of the rut uh this week probably so you know i got to imagine they got to eat they got to have water and um you know so you just gotta tie them in the stand right at some point usually something slips up and you just got to be there to uh to capitalize so but I love doing it. I love, uh, you know, I, I love putting the, the, pu- the pieces to the puzzle together. It's almost addicting. You know, I, I, I haven't seen a deer in a week and a half in three or four sits, you know, but I found, some, I, I found a lot of sign and, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And that's the frustrating part, but it's like addicting. Like I want to go back tomorrow. Like, the reward me- is yeah, delayed yeah. and you want that reward. Yeah. Exactly. You're just going to yeah. keep going. Yep. Exactly. So it's again, tough with a family and, and stuff, uh, during this time of the year, yeah. but, um, you know, just manage and try to use the weather app and try to literally just try <laughs> to, to hunt at literally the best times that you can. And so that's what I've been trying to do. And, um, hopefully we got a lot of season left. So hopefully in the next week or two, I can get one down. Our family only needs one deer too. So if I can, if I can find one, we'll be okay for the year. Yeah. Get some lean protein, man. You'll be out by March. I'm sure eat the whole yeah, beer. We go through it a lot. So, um, yeah, my, uh, my wife and I like eating steaks and stuff and then we, we do a lot of burger. So yeah, I just need yeah. to get, uh, I got, I got a few pounds left, but yeah, it'd be nice to get one more in before, before we get too late in the year. For sure. 
man, you have a trophy wife to allow you to go hunt and all this while you have a newborn and a toddler. That's, that's awesome, man. Yesterday she texts me because as soon as daylight, daylight, you know, breaks and stuff, I usually just let her know like, Hey, I'm, I'm all settled in my stand, you know, nothing happened and I'm safe. And, yes. and she had texted me like she was struggling and, um, you know, my in-laws live 15 minutes away. So that's helpful that if something were to like happen and I'm, you know, 30 minutes into the woods and it's still another 30 minute drive, you know, it's an hour before if I just dropped everything and ran out, you know, before I could be back. So we have good support around here, but yeah, she, she knows how much I love it and and how much of a passion is of mine. And, you know, the same thing with, with archery, you know, target archery and stuff, you know, how much time and stuff that requires to practice. And she, um, she's been super, super good, uh, about, making sure I've, I've got the time to go do it in the evenings and, and stuff. And I try to make it easier on her. Like all, all last year for indoor, I was up at 5.00 AM at the range at six shot from 6.00 AM to 7.00 AM, uh, almost every day of the week for three months, three and a half months leading up to Lancaster. Um, so getting my arrows in and, and doing the best that we can to prepare. That was my first pro indoor tournament. My first national indoor tournament was Lancaster last year. So so try to alleviate uh, some of that headache for her and go super early in the morning where it's uh, she doesn't even know I'm gone. So, but yeah, right. she's been super, super supportive through all of this stuff. So it's that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's that's super important. I I'm in a, a similar situation. My girlfriend is is very good to me in that regard. So, but um, tell us about a significant challenge that you faced um, between the decision. For you to go from amateur and semi-pro to open pro um i think honestly man it's it's the it's not the effort but the time the time investment is probably the biggest challenge right like i you know a lot of these guys are able to go practice five six seven days a week i mean every day and um even when the weather's nice, I, I can't do that. And, and to know that is somewhat mentally difficult to know that I just can't put that kind of time in, even though I want to, like, there's the struggle, right? The internal struggle is mm. I want shooting every single day. Um, right. you know, but I, I just, I, I physically couldn't with a nine to five job and a family and, and everything at home. And so um, getting through that, and just trying to give myself some grace and understanding again, that some days are easier than others that, um, you know, Hey, I, I the bow shooting well right now, I'm shooting well right now. Like we just need to go see some targets and, and stuff. And, um, so yeah, it's just more or less, I think the biggest hurdle is the time management, trying to juggle all my, uh, all, you know, a normal job, family life and home life, and then still go put in, you know, as much time as I possibly can before the sun goes down behind my yeah. bow. So that's probably the biggest challenge that I've found. Cause again, if I didn't go practice in semi-pro, you know, I still have a very competitive spirit, but oh well, type of thing, you know. And, yeah. and now I don't want to go spend the entry fee, uh, you know, and 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 the time and the travel and all that stuff and and just go have a poor performance. And so sure. um, yeah, so that's probably been the biggest hurdle and the biggest challenge was just um, being good to myself and, and trying to balance everything, um, you know, trying to do the best that I can on, on all facets, uh, between home and, and family and, and archery. Dude, you're already a pretty killer person. So I feel like you can do it a hundred percent. Appreciate it, man. So it's, uh, it's a challenge, but I think with that, I was, I was literally just talking to, a uh, one of my professors from college, a sports site, uh, sports psychology, uh, professor that, um, she was awesome, you know, and I haven't talked to her in 10 years. I graduated, you know, 10, 10, 11 years ago from college. And, and, um, but I knew going into this season that, um, the mental game needed to change. Some, something needed to change. Something's not clicking again. I kind of come back to, I'm capable of shooting high scores and shooting well, just not find the consistency that I want, despite the practice and despite, you know, doing everything that I possibly can. And so I decided to reach out to her and, and uh, we were chatting a little bit. It's like, I, I'm embracing the challenge of, I want to go win. And I think a couple of years ago, maybe five, six years ago, Kenny Lance, you know, won fully, 
you know, and he had mentioned like, he's got a nine to five job, like family, like same situation I'm in. Like, I want to be that as well. You know, um, I know, I know Danny and Levi, they got families and other obligations and things like that, but, um, you know, their main profession is behind a bow. Right. And so they've, they've got courses, they've got, uh, you know, time to practice and stuff. At least I'd assume they do, uh, to keep that level of, of success up. So I almost, um, I want to embrace that challenge that I don't have that opportunity at the moment, like, uh, almost a normal nine to five guy. And I want to still prove I can go win. I like that, dude. It's just going to be so much more rewarding. I think. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. And I think at that point, you know, if, if I could get to that level, then yeah, it might afford me the ability to uh, not work a nine to five job. You know, if, if I could put something together in a season to, to get some winnings and, and maybe set myself up or be able to change courses as far as a job goes, maybe, um, you know, I, I do have a, a contract or two that's paying me well enough that I could go work in a shop, you know, or, or you know, open up my own side gig type of thing where I don't got to put in 50 hours a week, but I could put in 25 into a, into a job plus, you know, shoot archery, uh, you know, full-time and professionally. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the goal, you know, we'll just keep working at it. Yeah, for sure. So this is a very frequently asked question that I get, um, is how do I get sponsored? Mm -hmm. So tell us about how old are you right now? 36. 36. So you're 36. You made the jump from semi-pro into open pro. Tell us about um, your current bow sponsor and the steps that you took to become sponsored. So Shoot for Matthews just uh, signed again, another another contract for 2024. Um, extremely blessed, grateful. Uh, all Because again, um, despite... I feel like last year didn't go as well. I just, again, man, blessed beyond a lot of what I feel I deserve sometimes with all my sponsors, you know? And so, um, and I almost, again, if I'm being just, I'm a very transparent person, the one weekend in Fort Benning in semi-pro changed my life, you know, being able to podium and, and putting together a, a good rest of the year and build some confidence on that um, and build a, a good shooting resume with some results on it. Um, you know, was able to afford me the opportunities that I have now. And, um, and so that's not everything. Again, I try to do the best as well to, to carry myself and represent the brands that, that believe in me the best that I absolutely can. And so I think that's huge. Um, but, uh, you know, just again, working hard and, and I had one, one really good weekend and a pretty good semi-pro season go, go my way. And, and that kind of what, uh, you know, afforded me to, to get where I am now. So, but again, taking it from there, just getting those opportunities is one thing. Um, you know, again, you've got to be out promoting again, we are promotional staff. You're not only professional staff, you're promotional staff. You've got to be out promoting and, and, um, you know, people want to sign and, and work with people that move the needle. And so you've got to be knowledgeable about your products, what works well for you, Again, active in social media, um, which is something I I am doing, but I'm going to try to be stepping up more for for 2024. Maybe do more informational type things, um, like I know you've done quite a bit lately, which I follow a lot. So, um, you know, so I'm going to start trying to emulate that with some of my own stuff. Try to put more, uh, you know, tutorials and how tos and just things that work well for me. Um, just because again, I find that informational or information valuable. Because again, what works for Ace might not work for Rob, you know, so if I can put some stuff out, maybe somebody else will find that that works for them, you know, same, same thing. So again, the more that we can get information out, um, you know, the better. So I think that certainly just helps all of our sponsors as well. You know, you find Absolutely. out what products that they have work well for you and why they work well for you. And Hey, I'm in that guy's same situation. Maybe I'll try this, you yeah. know, and that's where, that's where sales come, you know, so um, so yeah, but, uh, extremely blessed, um, get to work with some of the best, best companies in our industry. And, uh, sounds like, um, you know, get to continue doing it for 2024. Yeah. So, um, who did you talk to at Matthews to approach a sponsorship? What was your resume like? 
Um, and like, when, when do you know, cause a lot of people want to be sponsored. When do you know, okay, I can approach this person at Matthews to become sponsored. Yeah. So I had, um, I knew I was making the jump. I still didn't know again, transparency. I still don't know if I was worthy of a bow company signing me. I didn't know, you know, I had one podium, a decent semi-pro year, but I knew I was going to jump up to open pro. Um, and so I had actually grabbed a Levi. Um, and like, I knew Levi had won out of K50 with you. Like you guys battled all year that year and, and he was going to go up to or known pro. And um, I know Levi had not spoken with Derek Phillips at, at Matthews. So I had, grabbed Levi and said, listen, we're going to go talk to Derek. Like not, I just yeah. like him, like you deserve this, man. You won out of K50, like you're, you've won, you've earned, and you've had such a great amateur career. Like you need to be talking to Matthews and get yourself set up. So I, I had, um, I had grabbed Levi and yeah, that was the first time I had introduced myself to Derek as well. And then um, <laughs> it all kind of comes back. It's not to be long-winded, but two of Derek's like very close um, confidants, I guess, um, shot with me the day I shot 18 up in semi-pro. Um, Dave Thompson and um, yes. and um, um, I'm going to, oh, I feel so bad right now. Andy uh, Hardrove, um, both of those guys shot yes. with me and um, they're huge impact. They have big roles on, on Derek's staff and, and they're just so helpful as far as Matthews and stuff go. But Again, whether it be God's, uh, you know, doing or what, but both of those guys shot with me when I shot 18 up and got got to see me at my best that day. And so, um, you know, end of the year and stuff, I talked with both of them. I said, hey, you know, would, would you guys vouch for me? Would Do you do you believe I have what it takes to to go talk to Derek and, and go, uh, you know, kind of put my hat in the ring to go shoot for Matthews? And both of them were like, yeah, of course, man. Like, you know, we, we saw you all year. You carry yourself well obviously you, we saw that you can shoot. Um, so yeah, you know, just, just go talk to Derek and, you know, we'll see how the cards kind of, kind of lay out, um, you know, when it comes time. So that's kind of what, uh, what happened. And, um, I know Dave put in a good word for me, which again, um, I'm extremely grateful. Uh, cause again, I didn't quite know if I was worthy of, of getting a position like that or, or getting an opportunity like that. So, um, so yeah, but, but here we are. So, but I think the big thing, to kind of know, um, you know, whether you're ready for that. Yeah. Everybody wants to be there. Um, I think Levi says you got to win you, or you got to have results. I mean, flat out, um, either have results or hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. And I think, let's be honest, I think you'd rather have results. You know, if you're out and winning and, and podiums and, and, um, and having results in the course, these companies are going to find you. Um, it's going to open doors. They're going to notice you. Um, so I think if you're having that kind of success um, in the amateur classes, that's a huge help. Also, I think pushing yourself. You know, if you're having that success in in the 40-yard classes, that's that's great. I mean, honestly, it really is. But, like, you better be going up to K45 or Open 45 the next year. You know, keep building and, and keep pushing yourself um, and, and trying to – basically show the companies that you're working with or want to work with that you're not settling, you know, you're not, right. you know, okay. being the, you know, multiple time podium winner, but you you're close to winning out of uh, amateur class, but you're not pushing yourself to move up and, and stuff too. So again, I think if you show them that, Hey, the drive and the fire is there and I want to go compete against the best, like that's what they want. So if you can show them that along with your results, I think you're going to be in a really good position to, to get some of these opportunities. Awesome. So uh, for those of y'all wondering, um, we're talking about Levi Reitzma. He's a good friend of Rob. He's a young kid. I, I'm calling him a kid. I mean, we're about the same age, but yeah, you guys um, are the same age. Dude, he's, he is so good. Uh, he won indoor nationals this past year, um, shot in the Foley shoot off for uh, Gnome Pro and ASA. He's a great guy as well. So um, we've got Levi and then Derek. Derek Phillips is the pro staff manager at Matthews. 
Yep. So then Dave Thompson, if you go to an ASA event, you'll see a guy in a Matthews jersey at the Lancaster booth. That's usually Dave. Dave's yep. a great guy. And um, Andy Hargrove. Yeah. Yes. So Andy usually I've does. Met Andy. Yeah, Andy, taller guy. He usually does the uh, contingency checks for like amateur podiums and and things yes. um, on I guess it'd be Sunday. Um, so yeah, he's usually right there. He's usually the one writing the Matthews checks and and is kind of like the Matthews represent uh, representative, um, you know, on on podium Sunday. Um, so so yeah, it was a it was a cool feeling to have him you know hand me a check to get your first one. Yeah. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So um, yeah, get results and show show these sponsors that you are wanting to improve and they're, that you're wanting to go for. And they will definitely talk with you. So, yep, 100%. So, what is the process that you go through from getting a bow out of the box, like your new title, and then getting it set up and ready to shoot? Um, That's a long question, bro. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I guess I, I make it pretty simple, you know, pull a bow out of the box and stuff, mount all my accessories that I'm going to be running. you know, get, get all that stuff, uh, done. And then, um, I usually for a while, keep everything pretty rough before I like really get it tied in and, and, and everything like that. Cause again, I specifically for ASA, I might go through two or three different arrow setups, um, you know, might be twisting strings and cables up to just get different holding weights and, and, uh, everything, uh, there different, uh, poundages. And again, with unknown, I got to really be conscious of speed, um, and so I might, uh, you know, I might feel like the bow is, is doing really well, you know, at X amount of speed. So again, trying to get all that stuff dialed in. Um, but yeah, so I'll get all my accessories and stuff dialed in and, and um, mounted on it and then get a D loop and, and, uh, roughly get an arrow squared, um, you know, make sure knock fit, everything is good there. Um, and then, um, at that point, uh, just make sure draw length and stuff is, is super close. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm finding that, um, the last few bows, I, I feel really good at like 27 and seven eights. Um, and so, um, getting it, getting it dialed in right there. And, and just as I've shot more, I've, I've really found, um, how important draw length really is, uh, in your hold and D loop length and stuff. So again, I'm, I'm, getting that stuff on and, and playing with it and seeing what's, what's really good. Um, and then I'll get to, get to tuning, get to paper tuning just to get a, a, a rough start. Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll throw my peep in, but I'm not tying it in, uh, per se. I'll do a couple wraps around it. So it doesn't go flying out of the string. Um, you know, if I, if I'm paper tuning or, uh, blank bailing or anything in the basement, but, um, yeah, at that point, just getting everything kind of roughly set up. And then depending on, on what I'm doing, if it's my indoor bow or, um, you know, my 3d bow, I'll I'll go shoot that game, you know, go, go put myself in those situations, looking at those targets and see what's, what's holding the best, you know, cause, um, you know, your site picture is going to look completely different for a Vegas face than it is a, a 48 yard medium deer, um, you know, that thing so um and i shoot a dot for indoor and then i go to a pin for 3d so i'm not consistent in both of those site pictures so getting it used to go you know kind of bouncing back and forth and getting used to one versus the other um and it's, uh you know something i'm doing as well so so yeah but um once i get d loop and everything on there get a narrow square obviously make sure the bow's in time i'll start roughly tuning um, again, um, get everything in time make sure we're good draw length and stuff is roughly where i need it to be and I'll shoot one through paper. Um, I literally, the first arrow that I shot out of my title, perfect bullet hole. Um, so, um, yeah. And I literally eyeballed everything in. I'm not even going to touch it right now until I really start shooting and, and trying to, um, make some, some, some minor improvements if I need to. Um, so, but yeah, right now, um, just been getting arrows in, in the basement. I'm still waiting on arrows. Um, but I've been shooting some older arrows, just, um, getting strings settled and just, just getting some reps behind the bow. Um, I just, again, haven't had a whole lot of time to go shoot an indoor round yet, or, uh, shoot a 3d round or anything like that. Cause I've been hunting, uh, with any spare time. So, um, but I've been in the basement at night, usually blank bailing and just getting a feel for the draw cycle and just where things are at. Um, you know, try to shoot 
you know, 30 to 50 arrows at my, at my bail here in the basement, just to, just to get behind the bow, just to hold it and, and, um, keep getting some reps on it. So, but, um, but yeah, once, uh, once I get an opportunity, then we'll start getting behind it and, um, really micro adjusting things and getting it dialed in. But I'm also notorious yeah. specifically for indoor. Um, when I, when I go and usually I'll shoot in the mornings at like 6am, I don't know last year that I showed up the same with the same bow setup from the morning before I'll shoot my round. I'll usually shoot two, three games of Vegas face. You know, if it wasn't quite what I wanted it to be, or, you know, I, maybe I'll take a mental note of, of a hold or, uh, you know, the site picture or something like that. And, um, I was changing, changing arrows, changing point weight, uh, changing stabilizer positions, things like that. Roll the next morning, see if there was an improvement. Nope. It didn't improve. I either went back or I'd make a change and I'd show up the next morning at practice and do it again. So I probably didn't have a setup really dialed in until like beginning of January. And I'd already been shooting for all of December and, and some of November last year. So I'll probably yeah. get, get rolling on that way again. So I like to tinker. I mean, I, I, I think Tim usually puts it best. If it's not shooting well, fix it, you know? Right. I, I like looking at things that way myself. Um, yeah. And I think that's the difference between amateurs and pros. Amateurs, they get the bow set up and they get content with a certain margin of shooting. And they might not have a lot of time to shoot, which is fine. But, you know, pros people that are you know wanting to be pro they're always tinkering they're always trying different things out they're trying to master the craft and improve the game so i i'm in the same boat man i love tinkering i have a good buddy of mine that i shoot with uh, my buddy tyler and i him and i'll go till i'm blue in the face i'm like change it change it yeah right Just change it man like what, what do you got to lose change it no nah, let's go back yeah not everything is 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 sad and he he's a very good shot. He's gonna be jumping to semi pro. He had a great year in in uh, in open forty and stuff. And uh, again, one of my best friends and a great training partner because again, he's he's pushing me too, and we really enjoy this stuff. And um, but plenty of mornings, you know, he, he just wasn't happy with it. change it, change it. Like go go home and change it today at lunch, you know, whatever, and and then come back tomorrow morning. And he's very reluctant to make changes. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah, but I am not. I am the complete opposite. I won't do it in the middle of a round. I might take a, remove a ounce of, of back bar weight or front weight or something like that. I'll make a small change like that, but I'm not a, a change my holding weight in the middle of a round or something like that. Like I think I've heard Tim talk about before. So, um, yeah. but I, I just, I think, yeah, if you're trying to shoot at the absolute best that you possibly can and get the most out of yourself and your equipment, you've got to be willing to, to make changes and make changes quick. Um, Cause again, you just never know what that next change might bring. Uh, you can, like you said, you can always go back, especially if you take good notes, you can always go back to that setup, but you just never know what that next little change could do for you. It, it literally could unlock everything and you could just, you could not miss from there. Exactly. So um, tell us about the title and, um, what your first impressions are of it? We got to shoot it in um, in Coleman at the Classic. Um, they had a few of them for us to to demo, and um, you know I had such a good feeling behind the Phase Four, and um, that that bow was shooting really really well for me. Um, so to have a target version, or what I would call a target version of the Phase Four, um, you know, coming. Um, I was really, really excited for it. Um, and so far I got the title 36. Um, and so I have 70 pound, uh, 75% let off, um, with that and everything came in right at spec. I mean, it, perfect. Um, draw length is true. And then, um, yeah, it, it's been great. It's literally, you know, the phase four is a hunting bow. It's very quiet, dead in the hand, no vibration. I mean, that's exactly what this bow is, especially by the time you weigh it down with, uh, a heavier arrow and a and bunch of stabilizer weight and everything. So, um, you know, that's got me really excited. Again, I haven't had time to get out and shoot it at 20 yards or shoot it at distance and really see how it holds and, and what I can do with it. Um, but man, just the initial feels, it's just absolutely dead in the hand. I have played around with taking the, the one ounce brass weight um, off the lower part of the riser. 
Um, I played, took a couple shots uh, with that um, off and that bow wants to take off. Um, I would suggest if anybody's, um, you know, going to try that or they get that, have a wrist sling or a finger sling. Um, I noticed that thing wanted to get right out of my hands um, with that weight off of there. Um, so I am going to uh, going to be keeping it on. <laughs> it still <laughs> wants to. I don't want to say it wants to jump out of your hand, um, but I don't quite. I guess I don't quite know how to put it into words. But you know, I I had a couple of times where I broke a shot and my wrist, you know, came everything came forward and it. I, I had to quickly grab it. Uh, yeah. type of thing. So um, I don't think that's a bad thing by any means. Um, it's just a new feel for me. Um, so, so yeah, but overall, I mean, the bow looks amazing. Um, I got uh, white riser, black limbs looking at it right now. And with the brass in there, I would like to paint the brass black. You know, I like things like uniform. I'm kind of OCD when it comes to that stuff. So <laughs> just, just, um, just get more brass parts to pull in your bag. Yeah. Right. All brass weights and everything there. So, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm super excited for it. I'm ready to get, get uh, practicing indoor and, and get behind it. Start getting some practice rounds and stuff in and well, uh, I, that's the one thing I am going to be, I guess, different. I, I found that the 36, my TRX 36, um, just shot a little bit better for me. I shot all indoor last year with a 38 and, um, and then I got a 36 for 3d. And so, um, you know, I, I guess I'm making that switch coming into this indoor season. I'm going to run the title 36 for indoor as well. Um, and have some uniformity, I guess, to all of my bows are going to be the 30, 36 inch, uh, versions. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, that'll be the major, the only major change, I guess, from anything last year. Um, as I'll be running the, the 36 versus the 38 for indoor this year. Awesome. So is there anything that you do that is unique to yourself that really elevates your shooting game? Um, no, because I guess I've just, I mean, I haven't really been doing this that long. I've really been shooting competitive archery for six, seven years now. So, so I, I mean, so we've had YouTube that entire time and, you know, watching Levi Morgan put information out, uh, you know, Dan McCarthy put information out, Tim Gillingham, literally try to, to emulate the best guys that, that shoot our sport. And so, um, you know, I've, I've taken a little bit of everything, um, you know, on what's worked and, um, but no, there's nothing different that I do again. I'm a, for the most part, a command shooter. I've done, I've command shooted the last few years. That was a big change for me. Um, but it also was a, a positive change overall. My scores in 3d and indoor, um, have never been better. Um, so I'm actually going to go back to a hinge, um, and shoot a, a surprise shot and a well-executed shot, um, to start the season, um, just to see where I'm at, because, um, I felt, command shooting last year cost me in a couple of situations. And so I'm going to try to work on myself and see if I can't uh, fix that. Um, I guess I, my general thought process is I can always go back to punching. I mean, it's not, not hard to do. My bow setup is a little bit different. Um, I shoot a lighter bow with a hinge than I will a, a thumb button and, and command shooting a thumb button. So that's a, a little bit of a change, but other than that, there's nothing unique that I do. Um, I just try to take the little things that I've learned over the last few years from different, uh, you know, different people and the, and the best, um, you know, that, that our sport has to offer and try to make them work for me. So um, that's really, really what I've done um, to get where I'm at now. So. Well, at least you're honest. <laughs> yeah. That's the one yeah. thing I guess you'll never, you'll never be able to say I, I'll BS you or anything like that. So um yeah, I, I, again, I, I don't have anything special that I do. I just, I try to find what works for me and I'll listen to people who are better than me and try to maybe take what they have and, and tweak it to, to my individual situation or my individual setup. So I think that's the best you can do. Learn from people that are better than you and, and figure out what works best for you. Cause what works best for Levi Morgan doesn't, you know, isn't always going to work best for Ace or, you know, anybody, right. You know, but if right. you can find little stuff, uh, that works well for them and you can get it to work for you. Um, you know, you kind of take the best of all worlds and give it your best go from there. 
I feel that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a conglomerate of all the information that I've gotten from shooters and um, like Tim, for example. I, I soak in a lot of information from Tim and Kyle personally. And um, yeah, I, I started command shooting uh, yesterday, actually. I was shooting around oh, yeah? and yeah, I, I shot like, I dropped like three X's in 10 arrows. I was like, okay, let's try command shooting. And I, I like cleaned the rest of the round. Like, it's just different, you know, like the way, you, even the way you have to stabilize the bow and like pull into it and leverage your form. Like, it's just, there's a huge change there, but I think it's just going to take time and practice for me with command shooting, but it's definitely slept on, I think. I think a lot of people think that command shooting, either they love it or they just say, oh, that's wrong. And I would definitely say you shouldn't command shoot if you can't shoot a surprise release every single time. Mm -hmm. I would be the person to tell you that. You have to be able to not anticipate it and know how to you know, have good form and a good mental game for you to start command shooting personally. That's what I would the biggest thing I tell people about it, because again, I'll have other people, you know, when I tell them I command shoot, they're like, well, how do you, how do you do it? And I think what even got me into it or, or what helped me be comfortable with it was understanding my sight picture. Mm. You can't have this anticipation. You have to be patient. Again, it's the same thing with executing a shot. You have to be patient. Again, uh, as much as I'd hate to admit it, a lot of times my sight picture will go from 12 to six, like I'll go past the X, I'll go past the 12. But as soon as I just wait and settle and keep pulling it, the bow goes back to where I need it to go. And once I feel that it's there, like Kyle says, like, what, let's go, like, let's, let's get um, rid of that. Arrow. And same thing on a Vegas face, I will go past the 10, I'll go past the X, I might even get down to the like yellow nine territory, uh, you know, yellow, red nine, you know, six o'clock. But if I keep pulling and, and executing a shot and before I even activate the, the trigger, that will that that pin, that that dot settles back where I need it to. And once it's there and I, I'm happy with the sight picture, then, yeah, I'm letting it fly. Um, so I think so many people panic like, oh, pins there. Got to go. And it's, right. it, that's where the anticipation, that's where the, the panic comes from. And. Um, you know, I just, I even think like hunting, you know, same thing. If you're just patient with your shot and, and stuff and not like, oh, yeah, pins on the heart, bang, like right. um, it can work. Right. But I had, and I found this out the hard way because I used to do drive-bys and, and stuff and, and it would cost me when the, at the last arrow of the round or something like that, like, oh, I'm shooting so well, let's just keep doing what we've always been doing and nine or four, you know, on a indoor, uh, on the, the um, uh, excuse me, the five spot face. So, so yeah, understanding your sight picture and just being patient with it. I think the, it's the same thing as shooting a hinge, same thing as shooting a surprise shot with a thumb button. You're not ripping through those. You're not, usually your shot's going to take three, four five seconds, however long it might take. Um, so if you have that understanding and that mentality going into it and just wait until everything looks good, then fire your shot. I think it'll work a lot better for people. That's excellent advice. Yeah, you have to be patient and study your sight picture. So, mm -hmm. yeah. for sure. And again, if you can get a bow that moves moves slow or find the happy medium that it gets back to where it needs to go quick enough, uh, thing, I think that's helpful too. Again, it's I, I found over the last couple of years, bow setup is huge, um, and so um, I actually. Um, my what was it my second year yeah second year of semi-pro I shot a Hoyt uh, I shot the Hoyt Altus with the SVX cams I think I was holding like 23 pounds of holding weight at 70 71 pounds or 72 pounds on the SVX cams uh, like I was holding a lot but it yeah. helped shoot like I was able to put a lot more weight on my on my bars and and everything and um that bow held really really well for me and when when a bow holds really really well it stays where it needs to and then you can just punch your button and, and send it. So, um, and so, yeah, I actually had my, my TRXs and my phase four and everything set up with some, a lot higher holding weight and try to emulate some of that feeling. Um, Cause I think you have to do some of those things to, to uh, get a bow to aim really well, if you're going to command shoot. 
Awesome. So I have a very important question for you. Um, is there any problems in the industry in whether it's the tournament side or like a manufacturer side that is not being addressed that you see? Yeah, I got to travel too far to all these ASAs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to bring them bring to the Midwest, right? Yeah, right. Um, man, you know, I, I, that's a good question. Um, I'm sure there's stuff, you know, if I, if I thought about it, um, I just, um, yeah, that's a, I needed that one in the text this morning, you know, give me some <laughs> time to think about it. Um, yeah. to be honest with you, yeah, I, I know there is, I just, I don't know off the top of my head any, any particular, you know, thing, I guess I will say one thing that I could address that's like rubbed me the wrong way. And I guess I'll give it both sides, right? Archery as a whole is getting very expensive. You know, it, bows are, you know, the new Matthews bows, $2,100. I know a lot of people were upset about that. Well, the TRX is used to be 1800. So again, an expensive target bow, but everything else in this economy in this world went up in price mm -hmm. and you're going to be pissed off at Matthews for not increasing their prices. So it's like, I, and I never really said anything to people on Facebook world and everything like that. And, and it's just like, how are you upset at the bow companies? They're a manufacturer that, you know, they, they do the same thing as cars and, and, and airplanes and anything else that's manufactured, right? They have workers, they have machinery, they have all of this stuff. And our, most of our world, the prices have gone up with things. How can you not expect a bow company, a site company, anything else that we do with our hobby and, and our sport to go up in price as well? And I don't like how expensive things are getting. I think that is an issue, but I'm not going to blame them for it. I'm not going to be upset. And again, it's very easy to, and I think this is probably why I never voiced my opinion. It's very easy to sit in my position. I get stuff for, for a discount and, and things like that. So I, I get that. It's not maybe not as financially of a burden to me as it is somebody off the street. So I, I try to understand that from both sides. Um, so, um, so yeah, there, it's just the, maybe the attack on the companies for the price increases and things like that, that doesn't sit well with me, but you're not going to say a darn thing about Ford, Chevy, you know, uh, GMC or, or GM, uh, you know, or people might, but they're not all over Facebook, just blasting them daily uh, about that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I don't really know what could be done about it. Um, you know, maybe a change in, in our economy would help and a change in the direction of our economy would help and maybe level things back out. But I also know once you set a price at something, it's not going to go backwards. You know, if, if something changed in our economy, you know, uh, in a year or so and everything was booming, it was awesome. Like it was a few years ago. Um, you're not all of a sudden going to see Matthews probably drop the price on, on the title 34 that comes out in two years, you know, or, or whatever that might be. So, um, it's a lot like gas prices, I bet. Right. You know, before nine 11, uh, gas was less than a dollar after nine 11, it went up to two, three, four dollars and it's never been back down. Like, you know, it's just never going to go back because I know we'll pay for it. So, um, you know, it's just an analogy like that. So I'd like to maybe see the increase in prices, maybe slow down. We'll put it that way. Um, you know, cause again, I do think we're, we're pricing some people out. Uh, of of equipment but then again there's a used market i don't mm. for a while there i never bought stuff new even if i had an affiliation with a shop and stuff like that because a lot of times i could find it in just a good a shape for a hundred dollars less than what i could buy it brand new with a discount through a shop so um and i could get it faster you know so there's that too you know i, I didn't want to wait i was impatient so you know shop the used market so um so yeah, I guess my very long-winded answer is is maybe just the pricing of things, but I I also understand it, and so um, hopefully uh, you know our economy and stuff takes a turn and and uh, everybody's prospering, and and maybe it's not so much of a hit on the wallet to to go pick up the new title or new Stratos anything like that.
I like it. Yeah, my response to that is um, look at the title and how different it is from the TRX. Look at how much new technology is on it. Um, these bows are getting so much better, and I think it is worth the premium, personally. Thousand percent. I've I've told this, and again, this would have been part of my maybe my Facebook rant, or you know, you can take that bow with switch weight mods, buy one bow, and you can literally shoot just about any game you want. If you're restricted to sixty pounds for USA archery, change your mods to sixty pound mods. Um, you know, so you could buy one bow, maybe multiple sites, maybe multiple rests, uh, quick connect rests so where you're not having to do a whole lot of tuning after you, you change or swap, um, you know, stabilizer setups and stuff. I mean, so for, if you were a person that went and bought multiple target bows and then had multiple sites anyway, multiple rests anyway, multiple sets of stabilizers anyway, you could go and invest in one Matthews title that fits you really, really well, get multiple mods, you know, for whatever game that you're playing that you need to be at and are comfortable with a couple sets of arrows and you could be just fine. Um, so I a hundred percent, that's a great point that you brought up that I, I forgot to say that although there is a price increase, the value that you're getting for the technology that's put out and the adjustability that's put out is a hundred percent worth it. For sure. So um, where can people find you on social media? Um, Instagram is just my first initial and my last name. So R Yarmark, um, I have a long last name. So it's R then Y-A-H-R-M-A-R-K-T. Um, you and I follow each other. I can You can look in your followers and, and find me. And then um, Facebook is just Rob Yarmark. Um, so I don't really do much outside of those two things. So um, again, I'm going to try to uh, increase my my activity level on uh, with with tutorials and informational uh, you know posts and things like that on my Instagram a lot. Um, you know, I, I like Instagram a lot more just because you have followers and people from all over the world that that like archery that will will follow you and want to want to learn and want to see what you're up to. You know, Facebook and stuff's very much your own like personal network and people that know you. Sure. Um, so yeah, so I'll be I'll be trying to do a lot more with with my Instagram and um, some social media stuff as we get into 2024. Awesome. Well, Rob, it was a pleasure to have you on today, and I hope anyone listening to this podcast that's listened to the whole thing is able to benefit from the information that you've provided today. So you're a great dude, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. So I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to a good year. We'll see. Uh, we're going to see uh, your, uh, my first turn will be Lancaster. You gonna be there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I had to pay my dues the other day. I uh, <laughs> did, did Lancaster and Vegas in one swing. So no, I'll wait until, yeah, actually I forgot with Lancaster, uh, you know, got to sign up for times and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. I'll probably get my Lancaster, uh, entry fee done here probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, especially yeah. if you want to shoot a, um, like a afternoon time, those are definitely the most popular ones. So yeah. Yeah. I think I shot Friday, like we got there Thursday and I think I shot Friday afternoon. So I could add all Friday morning to kind of get loosened up, get acclimated and stuff like that. But then had to get right up, uh, or, or I guess it was just a long Friday afternoon, um, you know, and everything. And then I missed the cut by two points. So, mm. uh, I, that kind of stunk. So I'm going back for redemption. I'm going to make the cut and make a good run at it this year. So, but yeah, looking forward to getting back at the uh, competitive archery here. It's going to be fun, man. Okay, guys, we'll see you all in the next one. Take care. See ya. Thanks, Ace.